You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. How can you dramatically increase your ability to invest? Well, one way is to redirect the checks that you write to the government and instead invest them in ways that also benefit the government. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Well Show. Our guest today had a wake-up call when she wrote a six-figure check to the government. While on the one hand, paying that much tax means she also made that much money, which is incredible considering Susan Geist grew up in a lower-class family in rural Tennessee. Today, she owns a multi-million dollar investment portfolio consisting of long-term rentals, short-term rentals, and limited partnerships in commercial real estate that together pay her six figures of passive income. And using her strategic investment-related tax deductions, she also has reduced her federal tax bill by over $100,000 annually that she can reinvest. So Susan, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. I'm excited to hear what you have to say today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I love your message of taking control of your life and empowering women and empowering people when it comes to taxes. So let's let's just, before we get into your story, tell me more about that. What have you learned about taxes and how to lower them? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... I got a real shock in 2021 um, preparing my tax returns. I had a federal tax bill that was $137,000 and I just about had a heart attack. (laughs) Oh, I know the feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't figure out why that was because I knew that I had all these um, paper losses from depreciation from my real estate portfolio that I thought would be able to offset my W-2 income. And so I was very confused, like, why, why do I still have this big tax bill? And so I started learning more about it and the different income buckets that the IRS uses, um, the active income, portfolio income, and passive income, um, and how to offset income in each one of those buckets. So for 2022, um, I should be able to get my tax bill down to about $6,500. Wow. Okay. So this, this is always a shock when people start to make more money and kind of forget (laughs) half of it's going to the IRS. I remember my, you know, my daughter going through that. And then my sister-in-law was like, what? You know, so it, it is an amazing thing, like a wonderful thing when you make more money and a difficult thing to see half of that go away. And then when it comes to real estate to think, well, gosh, this is going to be the thing that's going to help me and then not do it right. I've been there too. (laughs) In fact, I'm so embarrassed to say that just, just 2021, Rich and I missed a lot of things and paid a lot, a lot, lot, lot of tax. And we should know better at this point. So we're diving in to understand it too, because it's confusing. So, so let's go back to some specifics. Like what are you doing differently now than you did last year? Right. So the big things that we did for 2022, um, we bought a short-term rental and we were able to do a cost segregation on that and take 100% bonus depreciation. So by accelerating that depreciation, we were actually able to write off an extra $163,000 off of our W-2 income 
because I self-manage that property. So if you are an active short-term rental manager, the IRS actually considers that as an active business, even if you have a W-2 job, which is um, not true for long-term rentals, right? So they're going to classify those as passive, which is where my mistake was in 2021 because um, I had a whole portfolio of long-term rentals with depreciation losses. Um, but because I had a W-2 job, I was not considered a real estate professional and couldn't write those losses off of my active income. The short-term rentals are a different story because the IRS does consider them a standalone business if you do manage them yourself. So I was able to do that. Um, something else that I did, which was kind of unique. So I had had a property um, that we renovated and my intention was to do the Burr strategy, right? So buy, renovate, refinance, re repeat, rent it out, all that. Um, and we got caught in the COVID like supply chain shortage, the labor shortage, and the renovation just, it just drug out further and further. It had been over a year. Um, interest rates were starting to go up. So it was looking like we wouldn't be able to refinance. And um, we also got into kind of a legal issue with the neighbor next door over a tree on the lot line. And so we just got to a point where we were like, okay, we're gonna just sell this and be done. Um, in like May of 2022. So right when the market was just starting to fall. Um, so we were in kind of an interesting position with those capital gains because we had never used it as a rental. So it wasn't in our uh, passive business income bucket and we're not active flippers. So it wasn't in our active income bucket. So it was here in this portfolio bucket in the middle, right? With like, that's where like your stock sales are, interest, things like that. Um, so what I actually did, because the market had gone down so much, um, I did tax loss harvesting with my stock portfolio to offset the $70,000 capital gains from that property. And so I was able to um, essentially generate a paper loss in my stock portfolio. So I sold a bunch of stocks that had losses. I bought back into the market immediately, but I didn't buy exactly the same thing because um, you're not allowed to do that. Then it's counted as a wash sale. So I bought different things, but I still had the same exposure to the market. So I generated this $70,000 paper loss and um, was able to avoid paying those capital gains taxes on the property sale. Oh, fantastic. Okay. You know, I, I'm always careful with these interviews because there's half the population thinking, how dare you not pay your taxes? But a lot of people don't realize, you know, the... <laughs> the amount of taxes that people are paying, it, it makes it very difficult to retire someday or increase uh, your net worth for your family so that you never have to use the government money for anything, you know? Uh, so it's, it's a two-way street. And I know there's some people listening, maybe you don't like what you said. I love what you said because uh, you know, you are contributing, you are yeah. contributing in just and different ways. I feel like even with taxes, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, well, you know, I have a CPA. Well, a lot of CPAs don't actually know a lot about real estate. I'm sure you've yeah. encountered this. Um, a lot of them tend to be trained more in like small business accounting. Um, and so they aren't as familiar with the tax breaks that come with real estate. And then also, I mean, your CPA is not able to do tax planning for you, right? So your CPA all they can do is take the numbers that you give them. So they're not able to go out and 
buy you a short-term rental or do tax loss harvesting for you or put money in your 401k. Um, so really it's up to you to know what you need to be doing to be able to take advantage of all of those tax breaks that are available to you. So that's why I really push hard for people to get this knowledge, even if they're using a CPA. I think it's really important for people to be empowered with the knowledge to be able to take those tax planning steps to get them the tax return numbers that they want to see when their, their CPA gives them their returns. Yeah. Yeah. Unless your CPA is incredibly wealthy uh, and taking advantage of those um, tax advantage, uh, tax savings, I would, I would not expect them to be counseling you or else they'd be doing it. Right. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the way that the government has the tax code set up, it's the purpose is to incentivize particular things that they want incentivized. Right. So the government wants to incentivize job creation, business creation, um, providing housing. So that's why there are a lot of real estate tax breaks. They want to incentivize um, like energy production. That's why um, you know, oil and gas has really big tax breaks. So really, I mean, by, by being able to take, see, take these tax breaks, you're doing what the government is incentivizing you to do, right? They want you to be providing housing for people. Like the government can't provide all the housing. The government can't provide all the businesses and all the jobs, right? And so they want to incentivize um, the public to be doing this. And they do that by providing these tax breaks to encourage people to go out and provide housing, provide jobs, set up businesses, you know, invest in oil and gas. Um, so it's, it's increasing the economic security of the nation, actually. It's a really good way to look at it because you can either hire the government to do a job or you can hire an investor who's an expert at it. And the way that you get the expert to do the what the government wants done is to incentivize them. And that's exactly how they do it through taxes. So uh, definitely a more democratic way to go about getting things done. Yeah. Uh, so coming back to the short-term rental, which in a way, I'm not sure that the government's really wanting to incentivize the short-term rental, but uh, at this point, it sort of falls under that hospitality law and, and, or, you know, I, however it's done, it's, it's perhaps overlooked, but it does fall under active. And I'm, I, that's why we're at Real Wealth seeing so many more investors buying short-term rentals. We have a really great group in Florida that, um, that provides those and they're furnished and, and have management. We just had one investor buy a beautiful short-term rental, uh, with like 60,000 and built an equity in it and it's ready to go. And I, I imagine they, they know about this tax break because we've been doing a lot of education on it. it it's, I, I think, you know, with all these tax breaks in real estate, if you earn too much money or have a full-time job, like you said, you don't really get those tax breaks until at a later date. So there, you either have to become a real estate professional or find ways around it. And I'm not a CPA. We've had a CPA on the show. In fact, I think it was the last show we had Toby on to, to talk about this very thing you're talking about. So listen to that show, not me, because I'm not qualified to talk about taxes. <laughs> but I do, I do know that the big thing right now is getting getting those, like you said, that at more active investments yeah. in short-term rentals. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I actually see the IRS's point in categorizing them as active businesses because with my short-term rentals, so I have, I have two active short-term rentals and then I've got one that I'm under contract on. Um, 
they are employing people. So I've got cleaners that I employ. Um, I have, you know, a photographer. I've got a well guy that comes out. I've got a guy that comes out to put salt in my water softener. I've got lawn people. Um, and then, of course, all the people that are coming to stay in the short-term rentals, right? So that's driving the tourist economy in that area. So I have two short-term rentals in the Smokies, and I've got one uh, beachfront on North Padre Island. Um, so it does bring money into the economy. It brings tax revenue to the government um, through me being able to employ people, pay people, and then bring other people in with their money. And yeah. so I, you know, I know they call it like a, a short-term rental loophole, but I think that's really a misnomer. Like I do feel like it is a business. I have to spend time on running it and employing people. I, you know, get their W-9s. Like mm -hmm. um, they are contract employees for me. So um I do, you know, I feel like people shouldn't feel bad, right, about taking advantage of this. It's set up for a reason. Um, and so it's kind of a win-win for everybody. And, you know, this year is a great year to buy a short-term rental. You know, the bonus depreciation is going down 20% every year. Um, we're now at 80%. So this year is maybe kind of the last good year to buy a short-term rental and be able to take advantage of um, that large bonus depreciation. So I would say anyone who's thinking about it um, should probably kind of get on the stick. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like you guys have some great opportunities. And something I love about Real Wealth is that um, you guys provide sort of these turnkey real estate opportunities. Um, so, you know, I work with a lot of women who want to get into investing and real estate investing. And a lot of them are in tech. They have high incomes, but they just don't have the bandwidth to figure out, well, how do I, you know, actually create a real estate portfolio? You know, I'm trying to do my, you know, 80 hour a week job, plus take care of the kids and everything else. And um, so I think, you know, real wealth is really um, meeting a need there by, you know, setting up these sort of turnkey opportunities that, you know, people can just come in and the renovations have been done, the property management is set up. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a really great opportunity where, you know, if you want to invest in stocks or whatever, you can go to a financial planner and they'll do all that for you. Right. It's, it's easy peasy. If you want to invest in real estate, there's not, there's not really something set up for that. There's not an infrastructure set up for that, where you can just go to someone and say, okay, invest my money in a bunch of, you know, a whole portfolio of things <laughs> and just be hands off with it. Right. Um, so I think you're really filling this this needed niche um, of more turnkey opportunities where um, sort of the barrier is broken down to get into real estate. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I definitely mention it to um, the women that I work with and my clients and my coaching and, and workshops. I so appreciate that because, you know, how, most, most people would love to be able to go find a house and fix it up and make a bunch of money on that. You know, sometimes half your salary. But if you did that, if you do it right, if you do it wrong, you, you lose half your salary. Right. Um, and there's people who'd love to be wholesalers and get properties, no money down through subject to all of these things take time. And there are a lot of people who simply don't have the time to, to be an active real estate investor, but they still want all the benefits and they should. And, and that is why we started real wealth because I'm from California where it's, 
almost impossible. It's very difficult to be an active investor and buy long-term rentals in California and have them make sense. So we, we kind of are forced to learn how to buy out of state and, and buy these turnkey properties that someone else, you know, we're, we're forced to trust other people to manage these for us. So we've learned the hard way for sure of what not to do. And after 20 years, I think we've learned a lot about what to do. And we've got a lot of um, really good team members that we've trust that we trust and have worked with for years. It's kind of the, the issue of time versus money. If you have more time and less money, then you just really need to be active so that you can get to a point where you're making money and can invest. But there's people who have plenty of money and no time. They've got the money to invest. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of disagree with you on that. There are ways to just click and, and buy. There's a lot of crowdfunding sites now. We have a Real Wealth member who tried it, but she didn't really understand what she was investing in because those bigger deals are complicated. And, you know, to just click and just kind of be someone who doesn't understand it, she didn't realize that they were including de depreciation in the return, mm. um, which is just like, come on, that's like so rookie of them to, to put the depreciation and the tax benefits as part of the ROI in the, in the ROI. I, I just couldn't believe it. So she's really making more like a four or 5% return where she just continued doing what she's been doing with us. She'd be making much more double, triple that. Um, so anyway, it is, uh, it is, thank you. I appreciate it. We're work really hard to help people who are working so hard with the dream of retiring someday. And if they can just buy these rentals and kind of like let these businesses grow like children, you know, like let them grow <laughs> so that they can take care of you in the future. Not, not today, you know, it takes time, right? but in the future. Yeah. Um, you've also invested in a lot of passive deals. What are the top three things that you've learned in that process? Um, I would say, you know, really have a good idea of what you're getting into before you sign up for it. Um, you know, these deals are presented in all different ways. Um, you really have to look through that operating agreement, the PPM, um, the private placement memorandum, um, and look at the financials of that deal. So make sure that it makes sense. So I've seen a lot of deals lately um, where, you know, the interest rate is higher than the cap rate. Well, they're going into that deal at a loss already right? And they may be promising some big returns, hoping that, you know, rents are going to go way up or they're going to be able to refinance at a much lower rate. But, you know, that's, that's really unpredictable right now. Um, no one really knows where it's going. So look for those kinds of things. Look at, you know, whether it seems realistic that they're going to be able to actually you know, raise rates, look at whether they have um, fixed interest debt. That's another big one. So if they have floating rate debt um, right now with the interest rates, I mean, they've been going up and up. I don't know. Um, they may be stabilizing over the next few months, but, you know, floating rate debt is really hard to catch once it starts going up. Um, and that can take an entire deal. I've seen quite a few syndications that um, have gone under lately. And um, so just be aware of what you're getting into right now with syndications um, and make sure you look at those numbers and don't, don't just listen to the people trying to sell the deal. Yeah. And this, you know, my motivation kind of, it goes back to um, my history and how I grew up. So I grew up um, 
without a lot of money in uh, East Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains. And um, I watched my mom in a very unhealthy relationship with my dad, and she was not able to get out because she didn't have the financial means to escape. And she ended up dying. And I told myself that I was never going to let myself get in that situation where I was financially dependent on someone and beholden to a bad person or a bad situation because of money. And so, um, after I got out of college, I mean, I, you know, graduated with student loans, just like most people. And, but I was just determined that I was going to find a way to start building my nest egg. And so my very first job, um, I was a project manager for the federal government, but I had an interesting position. It was like a two-year training position. And so they would send me out on detail. I was based in DC and they would send me on detail um, for you know four months at a time. And I was supposed to keep an apartment in DC and I would get um, per diem when I was on location at these detail sites. So they would pay my housing and my food and mileage and all of that. Well, I didn't keep an apartment in DC. I just had an air mattress in my car. I had my air mattress and my cat <laughs> and I would rent rooms on Craigslist in these cities I went to. And when I went back to DC and so that allowed me to save, I mean, I was only making like 42,000 a year, but I was able to save like half of my salary. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I got my final placement here in Austin, it only took me one more year of saving before I was able to buy a house in 2008. And the market, I mean, the, the timing was great. The market was down. I was able to use the first time homebuyer credit. Um, but that was the beginning of my snowball. And from there, you know, Austin, I, I mean, that was a combination of action and luck, right? Because Austin had a lot of growth potential and, um, you know, the values have gone way up. Um, but that was my first property. And so from there, you know, I saved up a few more years and I bought a duplex and then kept saving and, now I've got the eight long-term rentals, three short-term rentals, and then I'm passively invested in a bunch of syndications. Um, so like you said, it is real estate is a long game, but the big thing is just getting started and having the motivation to get started and knowing what it is that you're fighting for, right? Like, are you trying to make a better life for your family? Are you trying to create generational wealth for your children. So if something happens to you or your partner, that your children will have something left. You know, if you're depending on your job, so, you know, that salary is going to be gone, right? If something happens to you or your spouse, um, or if you become disabled. Um, But if you have real estate or other, you know, investments that are generating income, that money is still there for your children, for your family, for whoever you want to leave it to. If you want to leave it to a cause that's important to you, if you want to establish a foundation. Um, and so I think, you know, it's really important to identify the motivation behind all of this. For me, this is, this is the legacy of my mom, right? For me to be able to um, help myself and help other women be able to be financially secure and be able to sleep at night knowing that they are taken care of and their family is taken care of, even if something bad happens. And so that's also the legacy that I want to leave through her memory um, is being able to help women. And so that's why I do my workshops and the coaching um, and encourage them to you know become empowered financially, take control of their finances and start building a legacy for themselves. Wow. 
<laughs> okay. So first of all, I'm so sorry for uh, what your mother went through and what you went through during that time. Uh, and, and what a gift she also gave you at the same time, right? To, yeah. to do what you're doing today, to, to empower you to, to be doing what you're doing today. So what would you say helped you get out of the cycle? Because most people don't. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I'm resilient and I also, you know, I left that area of the country and moved to a bigger city. And I think that helped. Um, and a lot of it was just making the decision that I was going to do something different and I was going to honor my mom's legacy. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going to let her death and her situation be in vain. Right. Mm. Like I was, I was going to continue making a difference and help other women. Um, even when she couldn't be helped. Wow. And you are, Oh, it's good stuff. All right, Susan. Well, it's uh, really a pleasure speaking with you and I just uh, really appreciate what you're doing for other people and how you're, you're living a living example of what's possible. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. We just did a big webinar on this topic that we talked about today on uh, short-term rental deductions. You can find that at realwealthshow.com. Just click under the Learn tab and the drop-down to Recorded Webinars. And of course, I also just did a Real Wealth Show on the topic, but the webinar is going to be much more in-depth. And you can find that at realwealthshow.com. When you're there, you just join. It's free, and that will unlock hundreds, hundreds of webinars, free webinars to help you on your journey. Thanks again for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. I'm Kathy Fedke. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.